0: hit subscribe and I'll automatically show up in your downloads each and every week. All right, let's get on with the show. If you or anyone you know is dealing with or has recently dealt with the loss of a loved one or had some other major life upheaval, this is a must listen episode. My guest, Rachel Ingstrom, has written a groundbreaking memoir, and it's a self-help book. And not only does she share her experience as a young cancer wife and then widow, but she also shares step-by-step resources to help you navigate your own journey. Never before has there been a combination of personal grit of the healthcare journey along with The steps on how to navigate treatment, diagnosis, and the ins and out of hospital life, employment, finances, insurance, self-care, grief, loss, and there's so much more in her book, Wife, Widow, Now What? I absolutely loved this conversation. It was so fun to get to hear her be so positive, knowing everything she's gone through, and taking her experience and now using that to better the world. You guys know that that is one of the things that I respect most about people is rising up and helping others. And I really feel like Rachel is an incredible example of this. You're going to love her. She's super cool, super fun. And like, she's like your best friend. She's so cool. So without further ado, let's get on with this interview. All right, Rachel, I am so excited to get to visit with you today. I know the listeners are going to love you and love what you have to share with them and the offers that you've got going on. And so before we get into too much about your story, let us know a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about Rachel, things you like to do for fun, that kind of stuff.
1: Sure. So I am about to be 39 in April. I am the youngest of four which when I was little, you know, I loved having older siblings and things like that and I still I still love that and depend on it when I can. Um it's tricky especially with COVID things like that not getting to see them. Um I really love spending time with my family. Um we actually all live in different states. So I'm not seeing them is tough, but I'm just so appreciative that we live in this time of FaceTime and things like that. So Connecting a lot with my parents when I can, doing things like that. Um, as we'll talk about more later. Um, when my late husband was ill, I was able to actually spend more time with my parents than you'd ever would think that you would as an adult. So I'm actually pretty close with my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so I call them on the way to pick up my um, daughter from school and different things like that. Just you know, fill them in on whatever. A new hobby of mine that I am like kicking myself. I didn't start years ago is jigsaw puzzles. Oh my goodness. Do I love jigsaw puzzles? Yes. And at (sighs) first I was like, is it like an old lady thing? But I love them. And one of my sisters got me um, a New Yorker, like the New Yorker magazine, New Yorker one Mm -hmm. with dogs wearing different coats and stuff. That's just ridiculously cute. I did over Christmas and now I kind of want to, and I framed it. It's huge. I framed it in a poster frame and now I kind of want to do them all, but. I get really intimidated by them because they're, I always do like a thousand pieces. So I just got out one last night that's a round puzzle and it's donuts and it's so hard. And I'm very excited to work on it this evening and this weekend, even though I'm very intimidated by it.
0: Well, that's really (laughs) cool that you brought that up because no kidding. I was just thinking about jigsaw puzzles last night because that was something that my dad really enjoyed. And Mm. I have a little boy, he's going to be 13 next week, actually. And- Mm -hmm. You know, just trying to find things for him to do different things to try. And I was like, "I wonder if he'd like jigsaw puzzles." And so it's just funny to me that that was something that you brought up right when it's been in my in my thought process. yeah, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually put on like a TV show or a movie or something, and then just do it so I kind of have that in the background as something to like laugh at or whatever. So I don't get too frustrated. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do you kind of binge it? Like when you get started, do you just keep, do you have a hard time stopping or can you pause and take a break?
1: Um, I pause and take breaks one time. Um, couple months ago like it was bedtime and i took melatonin and i, was, <laughs> I had like 50 pieces left and like mm-hmm, i was like i have to finish it mm-hmm. i was so tired but yeah it's it's actually something i really look forward to and i have this app on my phone called strides where you try to track good and positive um habits. And that was something that I was trying to remind myself to do every day. And now I just have like a puzzle table in the living room and it's something that I just try to, I don't get to it every day, but it's just something that I do. And then I take pictures of everyone that I do and you know, pop it up on Instagram. Not that anybody else cares, but I'm just excited of
0: my accomplishments. You know, I think that's really cool. It's
1: nice to have as a thing.
0: Yeah. I think that's really cool because I think that like over time and as we grow and become adults, some of the things that we did as kids really aren't feasible anymore. Like I grew up on horses and I don't own horses, so I can't just go back Mm -hmm. to that hobby. But so trying to find new things is part of the spice of life. And I just think that's cool that you were like, hey, let's give this a try. Yeah. Yeah. And it's
1: fun. And like, I just feel like helping my Stepdaughter with math and things like that. I'm like, I feel like I'm better and quicker and sharper because (laughs) of all the puzzles. Because it really is, you know, math and science fitting it together and all your those executive function skills and all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's got to be like and because there are millions of
1: yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that because there are millions of puzzles out there too. It's also like a happy in itself to find ones that you really want to do. It's very enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I bet. So once you frame them, do you hang them up in your house? Or are you? What are you going to do with them? Yeah. So far, I just have one that's framed. I've
1: done Pokemon and a couple ones like that for my um, daughter. But otherwise, I just have the one so far. Um, I, I've, I actually just mailed out a couple to a friend in Canada today. And I'm like, when I come visit you, I'm going to want them back because I love them. <laughs> one of them was... I got from a friend for Christmas and it's a Sherlock Holmes one. And I'm not into like Sherlock Holmes or any of that stuff by any means. I've tried Harry Potter and whatnot and it just wasn't my bag. I do like my Star Wars and stuff like that. But it was a mystery where you had to read the mystery and you didn't know what the picture looked like. And that oh. was especially tricky to try to figure it out. But it was fun because then when you once you started getting it going, you're like, uh-huh, I see what they were talking about.
0: <laughs> that is so cool. I didn't even know they made things like that hmm Yeah, I didn't either. Well, I'm writing that down because I definitely want to check that out. <laughs> like yeah, mystery I didn't post puzzle. <laughs> pictures.
1: Yeah, I didn't post pictures because I was like, I don't want to ruin it for people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, good point. There you go. See, I would not have even thought about that and I would have spoiled, spoiler alert to everyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, that's great. So anything else that you want to tell us about you?
1: So for work, I work for an insurance company connecting people to therapists to go see someone for counseling or if they need medication management, whether it's like anxiety or depression or anything like that. So the field I'm in, I've worked in mental health. I actually started working with mentally ill people. Um, I interviewed for uh, assisted living and thought it was with um, elders. Like I was, I was 26 and I was like, oh, this will be doing activities with old people And I I was in grad school for social work and I ended up getting this job with mentally ill people and just mental health is just totally underserved, underrated. We could all use a therapist. So I really enjoy what I do, getting people connected. You know, a lot of people call in and sometimes it's the worst day of their lives they're calling in and it's very um humbling to be able to help them get them connected to what they need so that's what I do for a living
0: what a great job yeah and to be able to really know that you're there when people are desperately reaching out and wanting help that's that's got to have a whole just a lot of rewards to it
1: it does it does yeah and I work with some really great people as well which makes it all better
0: Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that later, but for now, let's talk about, you've got a book out and let's Mm -hmm. talk about your book. Let's talk about how you got to that point. Let's, let's talk about why we're here. Yeah. So I
1: figuring out how to navigate being a cancer wife caregiver and then widow is a hot mess in itself. And I love that. I love the term hot mess because Oh, was I a hot mess? Yeah. So when I was 28, let me back up and say, I met this really great guy when I was 19. He was about to be 26. We got married in 2004 when I was 22. He was about to be 28. I just graduated from college and got my first job and all of that all within the same summer and life was really good and then i found out in the f- summer fall of 2010 i had endometriosis i had horrific um ovarian cyst rupture had no idea what was going on so i kind of got through that um was put on some antidepressants cuz once i found out it was going to be really hard with pain issues and maybe having kids and all those different things and i was 28 i was just like oh my goodness mm-hmm. so i kind of got through that that fall and then just a couple months later in January of 2011, my husband, Grayson, he got really sick and we just thought that he was tired because he was working a lot of overtime. He worked in a printing plant making um, ink that would get printed on flexible packaging. And he would, he was one of the only people that did what he did. So he was supposed to work three to 11 at nights. And a lot of times he would work three to two in the morning or whatever they needed. So we thought, okay, he's probably just too tired. Um, so he went into the doctor and they're like, Oh, you know, your your hemoglobin, your blood level's really low. So then they sent him for blood transfusions, and then that turned into they misdiagnosed him with something. And then a couple hours later, we got a call and he needed a bone marrow biopsy. And two days later, we found out that he had leukemia. So at twenty eight, my entire life got flipped upside down, and over the course of two years and three months, I went from being an independent married woman to my mom and dad were taking shifts. Thank God they t- came and t- took shifts. And I was, you know, like, Oh my gosh, I don't want my mom and dad to come and live with me. But of course mm-hmm. I want them to come rescue us and say, help us. But I was like, I don't want my mom and dad to be like full of my underwear and, you know, in my, <laughs> mm-hmm. in my house. But I mean, they moved in and, um, you know, a few weeks on here, a few weeks off there, each of them, they switched and it was just, it was incredible. And I believe, you know, that was definitely God and everything when the grace of all of it was them helping me. But within all that, you really aren't prepared when something that catastrophic happens in your life. And I had to figure out how to navigate the world in a much different way than people do today. And it's crazy because it was 10 years ago, just a month ago, but it's crazy how far we've come in social outreach, whether it's social media, websites, groups, different things like that. There were things out there, but not as much. Yeah. So I've written this book, Wife Widow Now How I Navigated the Cancer World and How You Can Too. And it's half of it. It's almost 50-50. Half of it is my life as uh, from the day we found out he didn't feel well to the day he dies. And the other half is I'm walking out of the hospital room. After he's just passed away till a couple years ago. And within it, I'm telling you in chronological order my Facebook post, the Caring Bridge post of updating about his illness, and then my narrative. And what's really cool about it is this is the first time anything like this has ever been out there that's a self help resource for other people or supporters or people that just want to know, you know, a story of what it's like, but also. Um, a memoir. So like literally when I'm like, I have to try to figure out how to navigate insurance, I list how to do it and things Uh. like that. So a year after he died, I thought, Oh my gosh, that was so hard. Such a hot mess. No pun intended. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want to help other people because there really is nothing like this. So I just decided to do that.
0: Well, first of all, thank you for writing that because you're so right. you. You know, when people are going through a crisis, it's it's where do you start? You know, you can't even get mm-hmm. your thoughts together, let alone be able to know exactly where to go and who to reach out to and the steps. And it's it's the navigation. I mean, that help in your book alone is going to be amazing for so many people, but I'm sure you've mm-hmm. got even more than that in there.
1: Oh, yeah. I have, you know, a really big thing is when you have something um this big happen people want to help you but they don't know how right so i have like whole checklists of when people want to help let them know tangible tasks do they need to cut your lawn do they need to move, shovel your driveway you know all those little things we needed to get out one day to go to the hospital and there was just a fresh snowstorm and our neighbors came and like literally shoveled our car out so we could mm. move Mm -hmm. just, you know, people watching out, knowing what you're going through, doing those things, um, knowing, you know, can you bring us dinner? Things like that. I have Mm -hmm. different websites in the book. They have meal trains and all kinds of stuff where you can sign up for people to bring you what you want. If you have food allergies, it's very detailed, you know, who drops off what, when people can sign up for, but all those things did not exist (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I was going through all this. So, it's just there's a lot of really neat support, but you don't know until you're in it. So, I navigate, you know, how to get what you need, but not feel bad asking for it. And I feel like, you know, I've had a lot of people that I've talked to about this book, and they're like, you know, it's so great. You worked on your self care and you did all of this. And I'm like, in hindsight, I could have done a lot better to take care of myself. And these are tips. So, when people are now going through it, or say your coworker, their spouse now has, you know, cancer or a serious illness or whatever, if you read my book, you'll get more of an idea what it's like to be them and like, oh, you know, I could do this or I could do that to support them in ways where, you know, you might've felt more lost before and helpless. I hear a lot of people say they're helpless. They don't know how to adequately support someone. I'm helping you navigate, you know, to know what someone probably actually would want.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and to be able to be more aware, like if I'm the neighbor I don't necessarily know what they need, but even just something like go shovel their walks or go cut the grass Mm -hmm. or, you know, just to even kind of, I mean, it depends on the the relationship you'd have with your neighbor, but just to take initiative and not wait for them to ask like that could be super helpful too, to just see some of those tasks and things that you could pick up for them or offer. Mm -hmm. Cause I know sometimes when I reach out to, people, I don't know what to offer. I don't know. And so when you say, well, what do you need? And they're like, I really have no idea. And so to be able to have some of the ideas in your book to say, well, could you use help with this? Or could you use help with that? And, you know, kind of take that pressure off of them having to come up with it. That could be really, really helpful too. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for I, sure. I feel like this is a book for not only someone who's going through or recently gone through a loss, but also the community members and and family and friends, loved ones who c- could help support them.
1: Oh, for sure. It definitely is. And it's, I write this in there, like when he got cancer, my reference at point of cancer at 28 on this earth was like Julia Roberts and dying young. I don't know if you've seen that. She takes mm-hmm. care of this guy and he like, is super sick and pukes all the time and all these things. So I remember when Grayson got his first chemo, like they give you meds. So you're not super nauseous. I mean, sometimes you still are, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's totally different than what you think. And it is what I want to offer is that, you know, there is a lot of, there are a lot of good things and were a lot of good things for me that happened despite cancer, despite illness, despite his death. It's really about how you can take your experience and frame it. Mm -hmm. And especially as like a caregiver or a spouse or someone close with someone that has an illness, you really don't have the luxury to have, not that you would, but you really don't have the luxury to be in any sort of a woes me position because you are the cheerleader, the team captain, the manager, all of that. And you need to be the supportive person. So within that, you know, you're, you're going and living and believing that your person, no matter what is going to be, well, they're going to live, they're going to be well, they're going to get past that. And in doing that, it's not easy, but framing Mm -hmm. your perspective is so important and so key because the person that's going through all of that, it's really hard for them. And they're scared. I mean, you know, for cancer, I was just like, he's not going to die. He's not going to die. He's not going to die. That's something mm-hmm. I would think every single day. But then I just had to give it up because it was just like, this is my life. This is my new normal. And we're going to do this. And mm-hmm. so many people are like, I don't know how you did that. And it's like, well, he's my husband. What else am I going to do? hmm And looking back on it, like, I don't know how I did all of it. You know, I say this in the book and on in advertising it, but if I didn't have his name tattooed on my wrist, some days I wouldn't believe, or I didn't have pictures or things. I'd be like, did I really do that? Cause it Mm -hmm. was really hard. But I think knowing that there are resources out there to help just changes your world
0: yeah so tell us a little bit about what that looked like so you said that you know your parents came in and they were taking shifts like how long was that what what type of care were you guys all participating in what did that look like
1: yeah for sure so he was so fragile he was in the hospital for 5 weeks in his induction phase he was in a clinical trial here at the university of minnesota and he was young enough. So he was 35 and the cutoff for this clinical trial for acute lymphoblastic leukemia where they hit you almost twice as hard. It's the protocol they use for children. And they were wanting to see if it worked for adults to be in remission and pretty much cured. So he was so fragile. He was always kind of, he was six two and always kind of a lean guy, um, uh, like 175, 180 pounds, but in five weeks he went down to 145 pounds. So when he came home, it was like having a brand new baby. Um, We had to have a shower chair, shower safety bars up. Um, My parents made all of his meals, trying to get his weight up, doing those things. So I knew he was going to have to go into the clinic for chemotherapy five times a week for like two months, then three times a week for, you know, five months or whatever. And I just knew that I couldn't balance that with work. Mm -hmm. And being the youngest of four, my parents were in their late 60s, early 70s. So they actually offered. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So and it was a joy, too, because they live in a different state. I'm from Michigan. So they were able to spend so much time with me. And now that he's gone, that's a relationship and something that connects us forever in a way that I don't have with my siblings or, you know, different people. So that was a really big blessing. But um they needed to be with him specifically, obviously to help him and for company and, you know, just so he wouldn't be alone. But like when you have cancer and this is something that, you know, I'm sure people panic about, but when you're taking care of someone and they have cancer or a compressed immune system, if he gets a fever, he has to go to the hospital right away. So if it's mm-hmm. like above like 100.5 or something like, like 100.5, mm-hmm. you have to go in. So someone would need to be there to take him right away. So all of those types of things, he needed a buddy. And thank God they were um, there and able to help out with that. And yeah. that was a total, to answer your question, they did because he got, he was in remission for a while and did much better. And we were able to travel and do things like that. So a total of the two years and three months, they were actually, which would have been 27 months. They actually helped for 18 of them, which was
0: incredible. Wow. Wow. So 27 months, 2 years, 3 months was that from diagnosis until he passed? Yes, mhm.
1: Wow. And what's incredible is I met him on September 21st, 2001 and he died on April 21st, 2013. Wow. So it was just incredible um how it kind of came full circle on a 21 and Yeah. Um yeah, so he actually got a lot better. And then he relapsed and he actually was hospitalized again for treatment on our eighth wedding anniversary. And he, you know, used humor. He's so geeky and just goony and so funny. One of the kindest people I've ever known. And he joked with all the staff cause they were just crestfallen, you know, mm-hmm. that he relapsed and all these people, he was so kind, like obnoxiously kind to the point where he'd be like, can I trouble you for this? And the nurses would be like, that's my job. Of course you can. So they, you know, he was kind of joking when he was admitted that day on our wedding anniversary. This is our present, not the present we asked for, but he needed his body to be at a certain point of healthiness, despite the cancer, to be able to have a bone marrow transplant. It just wasn't happening. and wasn't happening and wasn't happening. And then in January of 2013, um, he had the bone marrow transplant, but unfortunately the chemo and radiation he had to prepare his body where they literally have to wipe you out. Um, of an immune system. So you're like a baby, Mm -hmm. like a newborn. Um, All of that really ripped up his kidneys and his um, bladder and different things like that. And then it ended up really, really affecting his lungs to the point where he was on life support twice. And then two days after I turned 31, I had to sign the papers to take him off life support.
0: Oh, that had to be so incredibly difficult.
1: It was, it was, it was awful, but oddly I was just so at peace. Um, yeah. and I believe that was God's grace, but I was at peace, and I think part of it is because I'd seen it happen. Mm. Not that it made it any easier, but later I learned in different widow groups and things online. I was part of on Facebook, you know, terrible things happen, like people come home from Afghanistan and then, you know, commit suicide and things like that. I was there and watched his body fall apart. So at least even though it didn't make sense in the grand picture, it made sense of, of what happened. And he was such an amazing human being. He would do extra bone marrow biopsies and spinal taps, which extremely painful for research and different things like that. So people could benefit for that. And part of what I felt so much Grayson is he actually, you know, no pun intended because his name is Grayson but he donated his body to the University of Minnesota so people could study and you know have knowledge and things like that as well to try to make sure you know things like this aren't happening to other people in the future so yeah. but yes it was it was ugly it was not a pretty time
0: no but you know what a what a beautiful person what a beautiful soul mm-hmm. like i mean to me you know i kind of feel like pain and struggle takes you know it brings out who we really are. And for him Mm -hmm. to be so kind and to be joking and, you know, because when you're in the hospital, nobody's, nobody loves to be in the hospital, right? And it's Mm -hmm. poking and prodding and no sleep and beeping and buzzing and all of that. And for someone to be able to be in that situation and treat the people who are helping them with kindness, I just value that so much. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that was just part of who he was yeah, those people really became our family to the
1: point that after he died, it was just really weird. I was still in the fight or flight mode of thinking that I needed to go to the hospital Mm. um, and all of those things. I mean, I was just so burned out by running back and forth from work to the hospital and home and letting the dog out and doing all these things that after he died, it was like, I really felt like I needed to go visit him at the hospital. It was very bizarre, but the really weird thing was like all of these nurses and doctors and staff and attendants and, you know, the people in the cafeteria that knew me and all these things all of a sudden they weren't in my life anymore. So it's just interesting. The ecosystem of support that you have when you go through something really difficult is actually something really beautiful. You don't anticipate when you first, you know, are faced with this crisis. Well, and you know,
0: yeah. And what I love about that is when we, you know thinking of where we are right now in this moment like for me and it's like and for the listeners when we think of what we would do we don't have that support network i mean yes of course i have friends and family who would help me in some way but i but i just love that because you didn't have that support network either in the beginning that became a support mm-hmm. it was like you didn't need it previously but then all of a sudden you needed it and it was there it was like the the community, the hospital, everyone that was there to help you just became that system and was really there for you when you needed it. I love that. Yeah. And I was actually really fortunate to
1: join the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is very close to my heart. They have a team and training program is what it's called, where you can have no athletic ability and then sign up for a half marathon or um, triathlon or bike or marathon, I think might've said that I did half (laughs) and I'm not a runner. I walked, but it's like, I I did a June event, which means I started walking in negative whatever in January and spent time with all these people who were together raising money for blood cancer, just out of the goodness of their hearts. And a few of the people that I met through that are some of my best friends today that I still walk with a couple of them that are 20 years older than me, 20 plus years older than me that I don't know. I would have known or met outside of that. And so I did that a year after he got sick and then a year after he died. And then in a few weeks, I am actually running for woman of the year here in the twin cities to try to raise $60,000 in his memory. Oh, um, and awesome. I, a, yeah, I have a team of nine people underneath me and they're all trying to raise money for my team as well. And it's just, when you go through something so hard, I think that I'm able to do everything I'm doing now because it's been so many years. It'll be eight years soon. But I was like, "Oh, I don't want any part of like cancer or sadness or know this or whatever because it was Mm -hmm. just too close.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a Mm -hmm. lot to be said for timing because you do have a gift. You do have support and information and, you know, all that that you can share. But it's okay to take that time for yourself in the moment too. Yeah. And so it was really
1: hard being a cancer wife at 28. And it was even harder being a widow at 31 Yeah, because you just don't know people that are going through that. And right now there, I feel like my book would be really beneficial for anyone going through it or wanting to support someone. There are so many young widows and widowers or any ages of widows and widowers due to COVID right now too. That's just something you never thought would happen. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of those things just to have the perspective and know I did it. And I believe other people can do it too. You just really need to know you're not alone in it. And that's the really tough thing is I was, my family doesn't live here. We're all in different States. And I was like on my own Island of awfulness for years. Mm -hmm. And you know, I worked three, three part-time jobs to try to keep my house that I thought I was going to fill with, children and, you know, have someone else help me pay for. Her. And mm-hmm. I tried to date and I met my husband who was when I was so young, I didn't know that, you know, people lie and they don't represent <laughs> themselves. Well, and
0: Like I was yeah. so
1: stupid and so naive, but like what was amazing through that whole process and even talking to people now is like you, every time you put yourself out there and talk about your story, you actually learn more about yourself, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. So, along that line, you know, I truly believe that anytime we go through a time of struggle or pain, growth comes on the other end. Did you notice that with you?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I feel like I was a completely different person. And like, I would take away his pain, I would take away the fact, of course, that he had to die. But this experience has made me like a completely different human being. Not completely, because I still feel like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, there were really good parts of me before, but I just feel like, you know, maybe like six months after he died, I was like, I have the wisdom of someone who's like almost twice my age. Because when you go through really hard stuff, you really do look at life differently. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, what you're given. And you know, when people are like, life is so short, do it, you can. It's like, no, I don't think you really understand. You know, I was robbed of all of these things, my hopes, my dreams, my person. But I was able to you know, the greatest thing is because I was so loved by someone, I was able to go on. And even Mm -hmm. if you haven't had that love of someone else, if you know, so uh, try to bear with me here, but you know, when you have like a vacation coming up, not that we have that now during COVID, (laughs) but when you have, (laughs) when, Oh, another thing about me is I'm kind of like a Muppet. I do all kinds of voices and things. So like, (laughs) it's just fun. So when you, you know, when you have a vacation or a trip or a staycation or whatever ahead of you, and you know, you know, it's going to be fun, but you don't know exactly what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, cool. I still have four days left, or I still have three days left. That's what it was like being a widow is because I was like, okay, I know something's going to happen in my life. I don't know what it means. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all need to live more like that. I think that living in the moment, and I've actually not intentionally taught people this, but I've had people, close people in my life tell me they've learned this from me, but you really do have to stop to try to plan so much. And like in the Bible, it says, plan things and God laughs at you or whatever. But it's, it is, it's one of those things where it's, I think we're all like, I want this house. I want this job. I want this. You know, whatever item I'm saving up for it. But if we can really have, you know, what I have is pretty good now, and look at what people don't have. And I have this I have my health, I have, you know, a job. And unfortunately, it's just such a really hard time for people. So much has been taken from people. I live, you know, outside of Minneapolis, where an insane amount of bad stuff, as you guys all know, happened last summer. George Floyd, all of that. I watched my city of nearly 20 years burn. But a lot of people are focused on like community and this is what we have. And this mm-hmm. is what, you know, and I just, I really, I'm, I hate cliches, but like, if you, <laughs> if you can focus and be grateful for what you have and, you know, where you want to go and work on those vision, little itty bitty steps of those things, that's more important than being like, I need to get this or I need to do mm-hmm. this and.
0: Yeah, you know, you are seriously speaking my language right now because I'm I'm big about being in the present and not taking things for granted. And yes, we all do because life happens and we get busy Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But when I look at people and especially couples, and I think, you know, you're you're together right now in this moment. And for whatever reason, there's some conflict. I mean, you know what it is. People are married, they're together, they're dating, whatever. There's conflict and I think a lot of times we just take that for granted because we wake up every day and they're there. We go about our business every day and they go about their business and to be able to really slow down and not take what you have for granted, I think people have to do that intentionally and mm-hmm. you know and I I can only imagine like that moment when you got that diagnosis things became extremely real and the stuff that was taken for granted, I could see that be a complete perspective shift.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's one of those things where you're not necessarily going to think about it in the moment. Like I'm able to focus and reframe so much more now than I could. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about my book that I think is so funny, I think I'm really funny. And I I don't mean that in a narcissistic (laughs) way, but like one of the things I've always been funny not necessarily a class clown, but I discovered so much joy and how I could just belly laugh. Like after he died I, you know, just rewatching Friends or Roseanne or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. just belly laughing. And I just remember laughing, specifically like opening the drawer that had tinfoil and Ziploc bags in my kitchen, doing something and laughed at something and just having the epiphany of like, oh my gosh, I can laugh again. I'm funny. And Mm -hmm. I think living in the moment and knowing that is so important and just being able to let go. And I think that that's, that's really, really tough. And in my book, what I love, I forgot where I was going. Now I got it. In my book, what I love (laughs) is that I write like, oh my gosh, today I'm doing so much better than I thought. It's only been three months since he died. And the next day I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. So I paint an accurate picture of you really are on a roller coaster. And I think that that's very similar to if you have a breakup or you have a friend that you've lost or, you know, I'm a very tell it like it is person. And I have a friend I've been friends with for 15 years and I'm not sure what's happened in her life, but all of a sudden she's kind of cut me out and I know I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And, but it's really tough. And there, Mm -hmm. you know, I've cried and there's some grief there and different things, but it's one of those things where if you can be true to yourself and focus on the here and now and what, you know, which is not always easy, but if you can do those things and just try to be present and not focus on what if, and it's really hard. Like after he died, I had, you know, could have, would have, should have about lots of things, which we all do with everything in life, work, home, you know, romantic stuff, friends, whatever. If you can just learn to let go, not like the frozen song that gets stuck in our heads, but if you can <laughs> learn to let stuff go, it's it's not easy, but your life will just improve
0: for sure. I can't agree more. I absolutely love that. And you know, just I think the work that you're doing in and of itself and the way that you're sharing your message And having it be real, because it's the importance of that is life is a roller coaster. We do have our hot mess moments, and we do our best to function through them. And you're showing people, you're taking them on that journey. So they're not just getting the highlight reel of the days that you felt amazing. They're getting Mm -hmm. the lows too, because that's
1: real. Yeah. Yeah. And I certainly show you everything behind the green curtain, and it is not the Wizard of Oz.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: I I like that because I I start with a positive note. I have a lot of a lot of positivity within it. I end with a very positive, catch fun thing at the end. But it's it's true and it's true to fact. And I think had I not gone through that stuff, like I you can't prepare for hard things in your life. I right. actually have a very toxic person in my life right now that's very similar to that mystery being in the movie Bird Box that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. It impacts my family. It is not fun. But I know that, like, if I went through everything I went through in my late husband, like, I can get through this. And I really do think that we have to have those trials in our life to be able to empower us to know we have levels of strength that are really deep down, like levels of soil that just keep going and going and going that we don't know are there until that reserve has to happen. And it's incredible to know the human spirit and the human mind,
0: how much we really can accomplish. Absolutely. And, you know, when we first started talking, you were sharing a little bit about what you do now and the mental health world. And mm-hmm. one thing I wondered was having that background in that profession, was it helpful with what you were going through? Because, and the reason I asked that is because sometimes it feels like our profession and the things that we know kind of gets thrown out the window.
1: You know what? I feel like the most helpful thing was the training I had from grad school of finding resources, which benefits Mm -hmm. all these other people now, Mm -hmm. but being able to navigate knowing that I needed to advocate for this person because sometimes he didn't have the voice because he was Mm -hmm. too ill or whatever. Um, But yeah, I really feel like having those skills and knowing that it was like, okay, I, I take care. And I, in the past have been like a professional nanny and, you know, babysat, but also like raised newborns and things like that in my twenties and things like that. So it's like, I was very tuned into caring for other people and then caring for him. And after he died, it was like, I had to figure out how to care for myself. And Mm -hmm. I actually talk about in the book, I went to Alaska for like two and a half weeks by myself. And I was always like, Tell me what you will, but I'll never go on a cruise. I've seen the Titanic. I didn't think I'd be a, a <laughs> widow me. at thirty. Yeah, right. I didn't think I'd be a widow at thirty-one either. So right. yeah, it's you just kind of have to scrap it all, and you use the parts. And this, you know, if you think about going camping or whatever, you know, what you did in one job might be your tent. What you've had this experience when you were little or growing mm-hmm. up or whatever might be your lantern. So you just have to collect your campsite. Mm-hmm. Is you go and do the best and hope that you know a storm doesn't come and a bear doesn't eat you. <laughs> but,
0: You're right, but you know, there's so much value in doing things alone and you know being able to take some trips and some experiences. I, I, I know you know, I found myself divorced at 33, and mm-hmm. so it was also a life changing moment. But one of the things that got me through it was getting to know myself, and that was you know, when you travel with other people, it's where do you guys want to go? What do you want to have to eat? Where should we stay? Blah, blah, blah. But when you go alone, it's where do I want to go? And I found myself trying to like people please. And I was the only person there. <laughs> it was just such an incredible experience. And so right. I think that, I mean, even as I'm listening to some of this that you're sharing, I'm like, that can help people going through it through breakups, through divorce, through, you know, changes in jobs and the pandemic. Like there's so much awesome information that can apply to any type of life change.
1: Yeah. And that's my hope that it it helps a lot of people and, you know, in everything that I'm doing now, whether it's the... um raising money here in a few weeks for the leukemia and lymphoma society and, or getting the book out there. I mean, seriously, it's my dream. I feel like it's so cheesy, but it's my dream to get this book out there in the hands of millions of people, because when you're in it, you might know someone or a coworker or an aunt or whoever, who's known somebody that has been through something this catastrophic, but until you're really in it, you don't understand it. And I think that just being able to feel less alone, I so wish I would have had something like this when I was going through it. Because you really do walk through fire, and it's not something a lot of people understand. And it's I'm glad it's not something a lot of people understand, but at the same time, I wish that all the supporters, all the people would want to. You know, you want people to authentically get where you're at, where you're at, but at the same time, you don't want them to have to know because you don't want that for them. Right, But this gives you a perspective of she did it and she believes you can do it too. And here are her
0: tips. Mm-hmm. And even to be able to say, if she did it, I can do it. Yeah, or, you know, with her guidance, you know, that's awesome because now they do have help. Even just through your book, they've got support and ideas and the help that they need to really help get through loss and tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's my hope. That's awesome. So Rachel, how do the listeners find you? How do they find your book? How do they get a hold of you?
1: Yes. So I actually have a couple of cool things to offer. So I have a page wife, widow, now what, um, on Facebook, and I like to post positive articles, different things on there. So I think that's kind of a bonus. Um, I also have my little perk that I, I like it's small right now it's growing. (laughs) <laughs> but I actually, within that group I have, or within that like business type page, Wife Widow Now What, I have a support group that's a private support group. So if you're grieving something or going through something like that, you know, you can talk it out in there. If you want to message me, um, you can certainly can through Wife Widow Now What, but you can find it on Amazon. It's sold only through Amazon. You can get it on paperback or um. Ebook, so Kindle version. Um, I don't know if people still have the Nook um, yeah. <laughs> or whatever that was, but mm-hmm. yeah, you can get it on there. You can download it right away. And it's, yeah, I just feel like it's an, inv- I mean, it's mine and I wrote it, but it's also like, holy cats, I can't believe like this was me and I wrote it and, you know, all those types of things. Like, I really wish I could get this into the hands of people that are going through that. Um, I'm just really excited to get it out there to help as many people as possible.
0: Well, and I love that because one that's one thing I love is with the Kindle version, the Amazon version, to be able to have that in your hands in within five minutes. And to mm-hmm. be able to like, you can own it, you can have it in your hands, and you can start reading it within five minutes and start working through some of that. So it's like immediate tool right at your fingertips.
1: Yeah, and I actually have how to navigate finances, a budget sheet Things you might need to, you know, if you are going through it, you might need to reevaluate your budget. You might need to think about, you know, different things, all those kinds of life essential things. Cause when your person gets sick, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want them to die. That's like number one. Number two is work. Number three is how are we going to afford this? You know, what you could cut down on. I have a whole big section on grants, how to ask for things, links for so many things. Um, So, especially if you download it online, you can just click on the link and you're there. Um, Wow. so yeah. And then in the back, I have a whole bunch of resources of some of my favorite organizations that I've reached out to or fun, you know, stores for different things. So yeah,
0: that's awesome. So I will have in the show notes links to all of the ways that people can get a hold of you so they can just click on that and find you really quickly and then be able to f- find your book, find your Facebook groups where you are on Instagram, all the good stuff, all those places. Because awesome. I know there's people, and that's one thing I know is even if it's not affecting you know, someone who's listening right now personally, we all know of someone that is being affected by this right now who could benefit with mm-hmm. this information. So I definitely would love my listeners to help you with getting this, the, your book and this resource out to as many people as possible. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. So before we wrap up, is there anything mm-hmm. else that you would like the listeners to know or hear?
1: Um, I just think that no matter where you are and how hard it is, you can really get through it. And it's, you know, I work in mental health every day with some people that, you know, they call in and I talk to them and they're having thoughts of taking their lives and, you know, doing those different negative type things when things get so bad. And I got to some really dark points of, you know, not respecting myself, drinking too much or, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And just, you know. not being authentically me or true to myself. And I think we all go through that. Those are (laughs) kind of the trials and tribulations that make us who we are. But I think just the power of the human spirit of how much we can go through, it really is possible. And there are cheesy as it sounds, there are so many people out there who care, who want to help, whether it's, you know, you really feel isolated. There are Facebook groups for almost anything you can talk about, you can pose. I'm in a couple right now for toxic people that are in my life. How do I help with this? How do I, you know, Mm -hmm. suggestions? I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. I have lots of things I need help with. And I think that, you know, if you have questions, if you want to know, please message me, Mm -hmm. Um, go to Waifudo Now on Facebook, message me. I will help you find resources. I'm also co-hosting some different things for a local cancer caregiver organization for men here in the Twin Cities. And I also do health postings on a really cool app called vital options about, um, health and wellness and all these different things. So it's, there are just a plethora of resources out there to help people. So I think just, just don't feel alone in what you're going through because there are people like myself that really do want to help because I have been there. I'm not just, you know, this isn't a job I'm doing this for, you know, I really authentically want to help people. And I really believe people can get through and things
0: can get better. I love that. And I feel like that is so incredibly helpful, helpful because there are people out there in professions who can help you and want to support you. But just like you said, when you haven't actually gone through that, you can't relate. you can, And and that, that comes across, like we know, I know that there are so many things that I can't relate to because I haven't experienced it, even though I want to be helpful. And so mm-hmm. to be able to go to someone who's been there, done that and gets it, that's what we need. We need that connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to visit with me. I have truly, truly enjoyed this. I feel like we could hang out and Oh, I know. <laughs> it would be so fun. Let's do it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> if this crazy pandemic ever goes away and we get to really travel again, I want to start visiting with people out, you know, in the communities and people I get to talk to over um, Zoom or whatever. And it's it's going to be fun. So yeah. I will definitely look you up.
1: <laughs> awesome. I will be here.
0: <laughs> All right, my friend. That was the awesome Rachel Ingstrom, author of Wife widow now what i definitely recommend you check out that book and see if there's information in there for you or for someone else i have read it i absolutely loved it and there were so many parts of her story that related to me even though our stories are different so i really think it will be one of those books that just relate to you in a lot of different ways so make sure you hop over and check it out on amazon wife widow now what and i'll also have links so you can follow her on social media all over the place under wife, widow, now what? I'll have those links in the show notes and I will be back in your downloads next week.